0: If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Tour two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, remarkable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port Chicago, Illinois.
1: a lot of news coming in here uh rich eisen just uh apparently commenting i'm assuming on a show that philip rivers has expressed desire to return to the nfl he's already contacted the 49ers and dolphins about coming out of retirement late in the 2022 season is it that that's interesting because to me that makes more sense
2: than like like for the niners for example mm-hmm. Than going at like trying to get Tom or trying to do something else mm-hmm. because they're in a tough spot because they don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation they have. But like, I don't know, like throw Phillip. What's he want? He doesn't care about
1: money. He's rich. See, I didn't know if maybe he just realized how ex- how uh, expensive it is to raise all those 75 kids. What does he have? 10? Uh, just a shade under 32. I think he's got like a, a full offensive line. I think so. I actually think he's one kid short of a of, full offense. Of a full offense, and he's like, you know what? Can't really swing it unless we have another kid. I can't really swing that unless I I play another couple more years in the NFL. I actually agree. I think Philip Rivers would be a lot of fun in San Francisco. And if you're Philip, I'd rather go be a backup to a young kid like uh, Trey. Because six games into the season, if Trey is struggling and you've got a future Hall of Famer on the bench, you think you think Kyle's not going to be tempted to go ahead? And I'll tell you, Phillip Rivers, I don't know about Phillip Rivers in the Indianapolis, Phillip Rivers, with two years left to go with the Chargers, Phillip Rivers, that dude could still win a championship. I want to get to the Lamar stuff here in a little bit, but as I've said, a lot of NFL news coming on here. And... Uh, the latest is the Chiefs are moving on from Cleveland's own Frank Clark, in um, basically a, a salary cap move. Maybe it's because I'm in my head imagining playoff Frank Clark, who was a friggin' beast. If you can get Frank Clark on a one or two year deal, I, I know he's a little bit older. I know he has not been the you know ten sack a game guy since Seattle. I think you could do a lot worse than having Frank Clark starting across from from Miles, and that might open up some money, uh, you know, or at least lock in some money so you can spend bigger on defensive tackle.
2: No, I, I think it makes some sense. You know, like I, I just feel like there's so many players out there that have been cut or could be available via trade that Browns fans are just in love with, and we are in love with the names. We're in love with production in, in the past. But I'm okay with that, especially from, like, the, the defensive side because I feel like DN, end, tackle, and linebacker are positions where, where the Brownies could go in a direction where they could add a veteran, and I think they'd be fine because I think they need veterans who've not been here and, like, mm-hmm. guys who can come in and kind of, like, you know, get these kind of, you know, the young kids kind of in order. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see how many linebackers were released in the last few, like, few days? It was, it was
1: ridiculous, starting with Bobby Wagner, like, seven days ago. Yeah, that
2: that sort of started things, but there's a bunch more that have been cut. I, I had the tweet from earlier today. Uh, I'll try to find it, but either. there's
1: there's enough linebackers out there. It could easily drive down the one year price on Anthony Walker. Yeah, I mean, uh,
2: it, it might even Eric make Hendricks got cut today.
1: It, yeah, I, I I do like that idea. Obviously, the Minnesota connections with uh, um, with Stefanski. With Stefanski, I also maybe it brings down the price in a guy like a Jermaine Pratt. So, with all of that news in the backdrop, Ozzie Newsom was on the Bernie Kosar show earlier today, and I think when fans hear this, fans might lose hope, Browns fans might lose hope about what's going on in Baltimore, but here is the, I believe it's Senior VP of, of Football for Baltimore, Ozzie Newsome, on Lamar Jackson.
0: The biggest thing is that we have a deadline tomorrow at 4 o'clock to put the tag on. And I know today and up until about 3.30 tomorrow, a lot of energy is going to be put, be utilized in trying to get the deal done. And if not, we will put the franchise tag on him.
1: So I think when you hear that, you immediately skip to, oh, Lamar's off the market. I think it's pretty convenient that Ozzy doesn't say which franchise tag, whether it's the exclusive franchise tag or non-exclusive franchise tag. I still think the Ravens are the ultimate wild card this offseason. Oh they are. Yeah. You got They've got a million options
2: to to weigh over, and the most important thing is is Lamar Jackson.
1: Well, and like with Rodgers, Aaron is is still a wild card because as a human being, he's a wild card. But like I, I I think the two most likely things are Aaron's playing elsewhere next year or Aaron isn't playing I I think it's apparent everybody thought it was water under the bridge it clearly wasn't water under the bridge and and if you're the if you're the Packers you can't keep doing this will the Ross or Rachel will we won't we right you can't all right Aaron if Aaron wants to keep playing send him send his happy ass somewhere else and move <laughs> on but with Lamar. Like, I think there's, I think the pool of teams competing for Rodgers is going to be so much smaller than Lamar because of the age, because of the personality. I can conceivably see Aaron going two, maybe three places. If Lamar's open to be negotiated with, and you only have to give up two first rounders for a 26, 27 year old former MVP. Even though it's different stylistically than what Aaron does, I mean, that's as cheap as a franchise quarterback can possibly come. And I've never doubted that the Ravens were going to franchise tag Lamar. It's all about are they going to try and save a couple bucks and are they going to allow to see what what teams actually are interested in them, are interested in Lamar. Because the the thing I think people are missing out, just because somebody can sign Lamar to an offer sheet doesn't mean they're going to lose him. It means they can look at the deal Lamar gets and then go, all right, we either will pay him this because it's what we're interested in paying him, or, you know what, Lamar isn't worth that to us. We'll go ahead and take those two first-round picks. And then I think it'll be really interesting. If If Baltimore lets Lamar hit... The market as a non-exclusive franchise. I think it's be really interesting to see if he ends up going somewhere else. What they do at quarterback, because they're not bringing back Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley no, is not starting and, next and year. And now
2: Derek Carr's gone. I mean, um, what are your options?
1: Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill. Um, you maybe swing a trade for Davis Mills if that does anything for you. Zach Wilson. A little Zach Wilson, Gardner Minshew. Oh my god, I love me some Gardner Minshew. Discount Mayfield in Baltimore would be awful. Can you imagine how much we'd hate Gardner Minshew? Gardner Minshew plays for any one of the other twenty-eight teams that isn't in that. Basically, no team in the AFC North, and I think people in Cleveland are just naturally drawn to that guy. He's got weird facial hair. He's a weird. He got the mullet, kind of a, a outlier of of personality amongst quarterbacks. He goes to Baltimore. He is. You're gonna hate him so much more than you're gonna hate Joe Burrow or Kenny Pickett in a year's time. Yes. So, what do you make of what Ozzie had to say about the idea that they're? I mean, hey, we don't get a deal. We're gonna franchise tag him.
2: Uh, makes sense. I mean, that's what everyone's kind of been saying. So, not surprising to hear it from inside the organization. But just because they franchise tag him doesn't mean he he can't go somewhere. Hmm. Um. You know, teams can still give up to, to tra- you know, trade for him. And I kind of feel like it's going that direction.
1: Which one, the exclusive or the non-exclusive?
2: Uh, I think non-exclusive.
1: I just want that, I, Um, not to go all Bob Costas on you. I just want the best storyline. And the best storyline is, because can we all, I know it's early, one month into the NFL offseason, this has been one stinky turd of an offseason, and I'm not just talking here in Cleveland. I mean, there's, there's just there's no sizzle. Brady retires. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is off in a darkness retreat and not <laughs> stirring bleep every single Wednesday on Pat McAfee's show. Will they? Won't they? With Lamar, like a uh, Derek Carr, like here's here's how I know that it's going to be a down year in terms of player movement. Derek Carr really was – I mean, it seemed like Derek Carr had maybe one serious offer and everybody else was going to treat him as a backup plan. Derek Carr, who is a really nice starting quarterback, I don't think much more than that, really nice starting quarterback, there was about as much buzz on him – sorry, as little of buzz as, as you possibly could have had given what he's done in his career. I got a lot of money. Also, I hate the fact he's going to New Orleans. I mean, I told you before the
2: show, I feel like the New Orleans Saints are in a better position than the Browns to win a championship sooner. I think the New Orleans Saints are
1: rudderless. I think without okay. Sean Payton and without Drew Brees, I think they are a mid-franchise. I Here's, here's why I hate it for Derek. I hate it for Derek because uh, I hate it that he's going to play for a bad head coach. Dude, we're a mid-franchise. What are you talking about? What do you mean? The Browns? Yeah, I wasn't trying to get Derek here. No, I understand that, but I'm saying they're in a better, better position now than the Browns. I mean, they had almost identical records in 2022, and now they have a mid quarterback. Sorry, he's uh, not a mid quarterback. He is a mid quarterback. Okay. Why would and we just disagree? Why would the Raiders move off of him if he wasn't a mid quarterback? Because they're dumb. Okay, well, now see that tracks. But if he was a franchise quarterback, you don't you don't do that. You don't cut. And by the way, his value in in, in trade was uh, all they were asking for is a third-round pick. He's a franchise quarterback. Teams would have lined up to pay only a third-round pick for him versus having to compete for him in the open market. Yeah, I mean, he basically said that he was not going to be traded. Well, no, but the point is, if if a third-round pick, that's if, if he's a franchise quarterback, that's such a low pick that you can just trade for that guy and he would still have his contract. He would have to either p- show up or retire. So, like, he wasn't willing to rework his contract. Yeah, which is what complicated his trade. Basically, he bluffed his way out. But if somebody was willing to pay the third round pick for him, you still could have traded for him.
2: Yeah. Explain yourself. So they they wanted to, to trade him, right? But he didn't want to be traded.
1: Well, no. So the two things that had to be hap- that had to happen. One. You had to agree to the Raiders' price, which was a third-round pick. Yeah, but I thought he had all the control. And well, but the Raiders—remember, the Raiders were trying to do what the Texans were doing with Deshaun, where you have to agree to our price before we trade you. And then that didn't happen. They then said, "Well, why don't you go talk to the Saints?" And then basically, I'm just gonna say it: the Saints and Raiders colluded. I'm sorry, the Saints and Derek Carr colluded so that Derek Carr would go to New Orleans without having to give anything up. That's what happened. But if there was a bigger market here, if more teams were actually willing to give something up for Derek, he would have been traded. They didn't because he's not a franchise quarterback. He is, and you'll see. That's neither here nor there. Would you rather be the Saints? I'd rather be in the NFC. Or the Browns? We welcome on Celtics analyst, NBC Sports, Boston, and Sirius XM NBA radio, the White Mama himself, Brian Scalabrini, joins us now on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Brian, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you for having me, guys.
1: Well, we're very excited to have you here. Can we still call this a revenge game if the Cavs win, but there's no Jason Tatum, Al Horford, or Robert Williams tonight?
3: Um, I don't think so. I think – don't you feel like it was more revenge game for the Celtics based on what the Cavs did? Um, you know, the Celtics are in a tough way right now. They, they blew that 28-point lead to the Nets. Then they lost the game to the Knicks. You know, they have been struggling outside of the Cavs game – which you remember the Cavs came storming back at the very end. But outside of that, I don't really feel like they've played great basketball since the um since the all star break. So where it might be a revenge game, like in your mind thinking they're coming in to do that, for the Celtics, they're trying to like like kind of nudge that boulder in the right direction to get that momentum back from what they had before the break.
1: Jason, looking to uh the Celtics in general, he's bright, he's, he's Brian. What did I say, Jason? Tatum. Sorry, uh, Jason Tatum. <laughs> this is why you don't read notes. When you try and ask a real question, uh, Brian. Uh, what's been the deal with the Celtics recently?
3: I think like they're the worst up twenty team in the NBA, and it, you know that's a problem. You know when they uh, when they play with pace, and I think you guys saw like I don't know if you guys watched the game, but if you watch that Cavs game, that's a real reflection of what the Celtics are. So. You see them running the floor early. They got so many weapons. They're building a lead. You know, they they rebound like when Robert Williams and Al Horford play. They're number one in defensive rebound percentage. They get out. They run. They have all kinds of weapons. They shoot the three. They make quick decisions. But for whatever reason, they revert back to playing slow when they get these leads. And in the NBA now, I don't think like that was fine ten years ago. In the NBA now. You can't play like that anymore. You have to play quick. Unless you have, like, freakishly talented Kevin Durant type of players, you're, you're better off playing with ball movement, playing with pace, and they, and they sort of take their foot off the gas, which is understandable why a team would. But now things are starting to come back and bite them. And I think if this is not a lesson for them to, like, going into the playoffs where you can't have these kind of lapses or lulls, like, that can cost you a series. Hopefully they could, you know, like, continue to push the basketball. continue and, and playing with pace is not just fast breaks. Sometimes that's like drive, kick, drive, kick, you know, moving bodies, playing fast in the half court. And that's where, to me, they struggle when they get a lead.
2: If you put these two teams in a series, seven-game series, assuming Boston, you know, has the home court in that whole deal, um, do you give the Cavs a chance at all? I mean, I give them a
3: little bit of a chance just because uh... – I love their front court, but you should not be worrying right now about the Celtics. You should really be worrying about how good the Knicks are playing, to be honest with you. I just saw them twice the last week, and that, at the beginning of the year, I was fully stamping. This is why you can't jump to major conclusions early in the 82-game season. I was fully stamping the Cavs as a team that's really dangerous, and I would have said 100%, like watch out for the Cavs, Celtics, second round. I I my, I don't think that you guys can beat the Bucks in a weird way when I watch you guys play Milwaukee I think their size is too big but we're not we're we're a long athletic team we're not really that big of a team but forget about us right now if you do match up with the Knicks which is really interesting uh, that would be the the game or the series that you want to really get through like there's a stepping stone that you want to take for this Cavs team this year and I think the Knicks are in the same scenario. I think both these teams are looking to take another step forward. Both these teams would love to play Knicks or, or Bucks, whoever's the number one seed in the second round. And both these teams would love to, you know, win the series, obviously, but or push that series to seven games and get the experience that the team needs. But that's probably, when I look at all the series in the, in the Eastern Conference, to me, well, I'm a basketball junkie and I like defense and all that stuff. That is must-see basketball, must-see series to me. So, after a grueling series like that, let's say the Celtics get through and they play Atlanta and they're through in five games and you're in this like, knockout drag out with the, with the Knicks and you do get through, it would be tough for you to back that thing up, go on the road, and then win the, um, against the Celtics or the Bucks, whoever you end up playing in the second round. But it would be great for your team to be in that scenario.
1: A little bit of NFL news to pass along the way here. Uh, multiple reports say the Raiders are franchise-tagging Josh Jacobs, their star running back, but we've got Brian Scalabrini of NBC Sports Boston and Sirius XM NBA Radio on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline talking about uh, the Cavs and Celtics tonight. Now, you mentioned the Knicks there. Uh, the team that scares me more just because of talent is the heat in a potential first-round series. If you're the Cavs, do you th- who's the worst First round matchup for the Cavs: Knicks or
3: Heat? I, I think the Knicks are better. I, I think they're better. I think they're they're bigger. Um, I'm not like I I have yet to turn on the TV and be impressed with the Heat over a one week span. You know what I mean? Like I see them at times, but you could say that about any team. Man, I saw Oklahoma City drop 150 points in a game. Like I I'm talking about consistent. And I get it. Like Jimmy Butler, all these guys, they've been there before. I get all that. But I would be concerned with the way the Knicks are playing right now. Their offensive rating is off the chart. Jalen Brunson is good. Julius Randle is. I I've, I've done a 180 twice on him. I was I loved him three years, or I guess that would be two years ago. Did not like him last year. Did not like him at the beginning of this year. Absolutely love him now. So I think they're they're the it team in the second half of the season. They they've the addition of Josh Hart since they made that trade. They haven't lost the game. I the Knicks are for real and um the one thing that's interesting is you guys can't win uh a road game right you you struggle on the road you're unbelievable at home that's why your net rating is, is where it's at but the knicks can't win at the guard <laughs> they really struggle at home so that's I, I i'm i'm thoroughly impressed with the knicks but i've always throughout this season when you guys are healthy and that's the one thing you guys don't have unbelievable depth so when a guy is out it hurts you big time but if you're fully healthy that's going to be a great, good series. I would be more concerned with the Knicks, so to answer your question.
1: Brian, one of the things we've talked about here is the lack of playoff experience for the young Cavs. Donovan's got plenty of experience, but I mean, even Jared Allen doesn't have a plethora of experience. And then you go to Darius and um, Evan Mobley, and then, you know, Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, none of those, Isaac Acora, none of those guys have playoff experience. How big of a deal is that? How big of a wild card is that for a team? that that sure has enough talent to hang in a playoff series
3: so i think it's only it's there's a combination right you have to match up game with playoff experience your best player right now your primary ball handler donovan mitchell is going to have the ball in his hand. he has it so there you go you're checking a major box with that jared allen's game and evan mobley's game it train. I don't care YMCA or NBA finals. Everywhere in between, their, their games transfer. They're not gonna, like they could blow a game from. A, but that's not going to be an experience thing. Like those guys are going to be fine. The guy I would worry about the most, even though I'm the hugest fan, is Darius Garland, because the NBA the playoffs are super physical, and he's kind of really, really, really shifty. He needs space to work. He needs to get into his space. Now his personality would dictate that he's not going to be like overwhelmed by the moment. But that would be the guy that I would be looking towards. Like It's really important for him to play well. And I only bring him up because I feel like he is like an X factor for you guys. If Donovan Mitchell is playing well, I believe the bigs are going to do fine. Those other guys, they just got to get on board. And Coach Bickerstaff's just got to find the right combination, push the right buttons. Maybe it's Caris LeVert, like whoever it is. But it's really important for the Cavs, for Darius Garland, to be what we saw. Whatever his ceiling is, playoff players need to be touching the ceiling and staying away from the floor, especially your best players. And if he definitely has the ability to do that, will he be able to over the course of a series? Can he outplay Jalen Brunson? That's, that's what you'd be looking for for the Cavs.
2: Brian, want to want to ask you. It, it's been a hot topic over the last couple of days, really last week. Uh, John Morant and his situation, um, whether he's suspended or what's going on there with with Memphis. What wh- where, do, where does John Morant go from here with uh, with his career? I mean, are you concerned about it at all? I mean,
3: hopefully, like he gets on board with and understands the opportunity. I I, I brought this up on the show this morning. You know, everyone's talking about you can't be hanging out with your friends. I'm like, LeBron hangs out with his friends, and his friends do pretty well in life. So, maybe, maybe you should be transitioning into stop being a child and more like, how can we take this unbelievable opportunity and create layers of generational wealth for yourself? And he's good enough to do that. He's about to be the face of Nike, if not he is. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's still LeBron and KD and those guys, but. John Morant, basically, you know, like kind of taking over that Kyrie Irving deal. Um, I, you, you, you want to surround yourself with people who are going to enhance this because this NBA is no joke. It's it's uh, it's big time business, and there's unbelievable opportunities to do things. And you know, even even no gun, uh, it's fine. Strip clubs at five thirty. Like all we hear about is load management, and you know, you got to get your rest and all that stuff. And like that's just a bad look being in a strip club at 5.30 in the morning when you're going through an 82-game grind. And I commend him for being him. That's who he wants to be. But I just think it's really important whether – you know, it's like – I almost feel like he's 16 years old playing in the NBA, not 23 years old playing in the NBA. Like, I don't think any 16-year-old should play in the NBA and have $400 million tied to their name. Like, it takes time. But he needs to kind of grow up, and he needs to grow up quick. I don't think this will affect his career. Hopefully – the NBA comes down hard on him, and he learns from this, and he moves forward in a positive way because uh, it, he's great for the league. He's so fun to watch. He's great for Memphis, small market. He's and um, and you know like he's great for the John Morant family, right? Whatever that is. So hopefully he figures this thing out and heads in that right direction. But uh, unfortunate, and you know the NBA has taken a, a strong stance on guns. I hope the NBA, and I hope the NBA players and you know, Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr. I hope they have something to say about this because they sure are quick to say things about when they're shooting at schools. They should maybe step up and say, hey, maybe it's good for this young kid to, to grow up. But we'll see if they do or they don't.
1: Brian, uh, we got you about 60 seconds longer here before we got to let you go. If you got to pick one team to come out of the West, who are you picking right now?
3: Man, I, I was all in on Denver, like all in on Denver. But the watching the Suns, and Kevin Durant, it's like it's hard for me to bet against them. I'll say this: they come out of the West unless one of those three guys misses multiple games in the playoffs. But if they stay healthy, like their their team is really good, Durant's really good, and Booker is going to be, it's really going to benefit. You guys saw it here, like Kyrie Kyrie Irving benefited from being the second best player. There's something to be said about being that guy that rides the shotgun along the side of of the bus driver. And uh, Devin Booker, second-best Uh it's going to be tough to stop that team. So I will say the Phoenix Suns, but it will be a, it will be an asterisk. But those guys have to stay healthy, or else I think Denver would beat them.
1: Follow this man on the Twitter machine, at Scalabrini, the great Brian Scalabrini, on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Enjoy the game tonight, buddy. We really do appreciate your time.
3: Sounds good. See
1: you. I don't know. I still am not buying it. They're a good team. I, I mean, maybe that was lost in, in my rant against them earlier, but, like, if you were to put all six teams in the East right now, like the top six teams, the and, and that is obviously the top two, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, the New York Knicks, and then I think the Nets, and then the Miami Heat. I think you can make a case, if we just go top seven teams, I think you can make the case that for how the playoffs go, the Knicks are, would be the sixth best team in the East. And I'm not saying the Cavs would even be the top, like, four seed just in the – fit the, the playoffs the best. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say, like, when it comes down to what wins in the playoffs, which is your style of offense, and mm-hmm. how many, like, transcendent players you have, I think the Knicks have a bunch of good players. But they – Listen, they were in the hunt for Donovan Mitchell for a reason, and I think I think this playoffs is going to be about them ruining the fact they didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell. I feel Mitchell. like every year this time, time of the season,
2: maybe not every year, but like the last couple of years, like the Knicks have got hot at the end of the year mm-hmm. and been like this trendy pick to do something in the playoffs, and they absolutely fall apart in the postseason. And look, they've got good players. They're hot right now. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that it's going to carry over to the postseason,
1: I think everybody. So, and to to what you're saying, the Knicks are like the Miami, like the Texas, like the USC. Are they back of the NBA? And I think a lot of that is. I do think that people around the NBA root for the Knicks to be great because um, there was once upon a time where the Knicks were in the conversation with the Celtics and the Lakers as goat franchises, right? The, the also the um, 76ers once upon a time. Although I guess technically that was the Warriors because of Wilt. But however, um, but I just need to see in the playoffs. And honestly, like I it's the weirdest thing. I think Tom Thibodeau's a good head coach. I don't know he's a great postseason head coach. And maybe that's because he just hasn't had a lot of elite talent. I think with, that's fair. with that being said, we're kind of stumbling on to something else we're going to talk about today, which is the Cavs and their viability in the playoffs. And I thought it was interesting to hear Darius Garland, and the and now the several Calves were asked about this. But uh-huh. Darius Garland uh, earlier this week, over the weekend, talked about home court advantage for the Calves, and what an advantage that would be for the Calves.
0: Having a crowd behind us really, really means a lot to us. It's like our sixth man, bringing the energy every night for us. I mean, sleeping in your own bed definitely means a lot in the playoffs. Well, I don't know, but I hear from a lot of guys, it means a lot. So yeah, home court advantage would definitely mean a lot to us.
1: I don't think, and this is this is might be my hottest take. I don't think the Cavs can win a first round playoff series if they don't get home court advantage.
2: I don't know. That's a- that hot of a take I think you said that to me before the show and I kind of agreed with you I think it does matter especially for a young team who's never been to the postseason to be able to play have that extra game at home
1: well I so the reason why I kind of said it was a a hot take is I don't know it's even the number one wild card factor I think the Cavs are a total wild card in the playoffs I think we like the Knicks No, I think the Knicks are who they are and maybe that's good enough to get them a, a first round playoff series I don't know but I think, like, when we talk about Eastern contenders, can, do, can I see the Knicks going to the, the second round and truly challenging Boston or Milwaukee? Probably not. The Cavs have enough talent to at least make those – when I'm talking about superstar-level talent or upside with – obviously, Donovan is a superstar. But Darius and Evan have superstar upside. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on how quickly they can get to a specific level of play and how, how – Like, comfortable they look and are in the playoffs. But I also look at this and say they're a wild card because of their youth. They're a wild card because of the fit between Darius and Donovan and whether that's going to kind of rear its head. They're a wild card because how many teams have two bigs, seven-foot rim blockers like the Cavs? How many teams are profiled like that? Oh, there's one. There's the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, when I say road experience or or not not getting home court advantage, why that matters is the Cavs' youth, because that is another one of the wild cards. How much does it matter that the Cavs don't have hardly any playoff experience? Unless your name is Donovan Mitchell, it matters quite a bit. Yeah, but is it enough to matter? So, I guess my point is, I think we get this idea in our head of well, you get through that first round series. If you get through that first round series, then it won't matter anymore. I think we've seen with all manners of team until you get a couple years of playoff experience, you're just not really sure what to expect it is not because every player, again, it's the greatest place for a player to develop, especially high ceiling players like Darius, Evan Mobley, and Isaac Okoro. It's also a great place for young players to wilt under the pressure and it takes a while for that to go away. That being said, bring on the next. You want to see the next now? I don't want to see anybody. It's the playoffs. They all like everyone scares me. Yeah, like they're all good. That's it's a problem. I'd probably rather play now if it's home court advantage. I don't really care who you play because then it's you've got the home court advantage. You might get a little bit more out of your bench uh, because you're at home. Um, the Cavs are clearly more comfortable playing at home. But if it's on the road, I got no fear of going to Madison Square Garden. Like the 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 fear of Madison Square Garden, Trey Young put that bleep to bed about was it yeah, 3 years ago, we don't 2 really years ago. Trey Young, by the way. I'll take Donovan Mitchell over Trey Young. You what? Yeah. On this team? Yeah i is a really good three point shooter. I think he's a uh, so no, I know I think he's an elite three point shooter. He's an elite scorer. I think he's a great scorer. I also don't really like his attitude or his mindset outside of when he's trolling New York fans. That then it's then it works.
2: Yeah, I I don't think that he put Madison Square Garden to bed. I, I mean, he had he, a
1: couple good moments. He slept him. He slept him big.